Andrew, would you come and minister to us this morning? Let's welcome Andrew as he comes this morning. Praise Thanks, God. Daniel. Praise the Lord. I tell you, this has been a powerful time already, and we aren't even halfway through yet. I really enjoyed this. I tell you, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. That's awesome. I really got ministered to by what Daniel said about that the Lord for the joy that was set before him and that this is the joy that was set before him. And You know, my first thought was, well, that's talking collectively about the whole human race. And yes, I believe that's true. But at the same time, like I said last night, the Lord would have died if it had only been one of us. And if this had been all the people that ever responded to the Lord in the history of the world... You know what? He still would have gone through what he went through for us. Just think how much value that places on us. This is what the Lord was looking at when he was hanging on the cross. That's awesome. That is powerful. Man, I don't know how you can be depressed thinking on things like that. Let me mention quickly, this is what I was teaching last night. I've got this in CD form as well as this book, The Effects of Praise. This talks about how praise affects you, how it affects the devil, and how it affects God. And I just wanted to mention that because I went through that real quickly. Daniel, would you mind giving this to somebody if somebody would like that? You've got to get his attention. And this is what I'm going to be ministering on this morning to discover the keys to staying full of God. And I have this in DVD, CD, and also book form. And I encourage you to get those. Standing on the chair. Well, Daniel's hard. She was even standing on the chair and jumping up and down, and he missed her. Tough guy. And also, I assume that Don and Angel and everybody has all of their materials out here, don't they? So make sure that you please get those. That was powerful. That was really, really, really good. We, were, we had planned on receiving an offering this morning, but we've got a break coming up at 9.45, and I'd rather spend my time teaching. But if anybody did not get an opportunity to give, or if you've still got any money left in your purse or wallet... If you will talk to somebody around here, they will take your offering, amen. So we don't want to miss any opportunities, but I'm just not going to devote any time to it this morning. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 1. I want to continue along the lines of what I was teaching last night. And what I'm going to say this morning, like I've got a, that five CD album on it and a whole book, and so I'm going to condense this. It's only going to be the Cliff Notes version. But this is really powerful, and this could be a brand new wrinkle in some people's brains. Most people have never thought along the lines of what I'm going to talk to this morning. It's a brand new thought. And yet, I believe it's one of the keys. And basically, I'll explain this more, but basically, you are as full of God as you want to be. It's up to you. God's not the one that controls the spigot, the faucet. He's not the one that determines how much anointing you have, how much joy you have, how much peace you have. God doesn't do this. You're the one that controls all of that. And again, that's, that's totally opposite most people. Most people pray, and if they get discouraged or despondent, they pray, and God, there's nothing I can do. Would you please touch me? And you know what? You've already entered into unbelief. You're already operating from a position of defeat when you approach it that way. The Bible says that on the inside of us, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. God has already put these things on the inside of us. You know, one of the things, I was in a church where they were just singing these songs about crying out, no, God, would you please move and would you please do something? And they were talking about how hungry they were for God. And don't misunderstand. I understand. I use that terminology sometimes myself, talking about you got to get hungry for the things of God. But they were just crying and, oh, God, we're so hungry. And I was sitting there. So I got up and I said, how many of you are hungry for the Lord? And, man, they all stood up and shouted. The pastor was just shouting and leading the praise and stuff. And then I said, let's turn over to John chapter 6. And I read, he that comes to me will never hunger or never thirst again. 
And I said, how do you reconcile what you're talking with what God said? And boy, they just all were shocked. And I said, I understand that we do get hungry, that we don't always experience the joy and the peace of the Lord, but it's not because God turned it off, and so we have to go to Him and say, oh God, touch me and fill my life. You get hungry because you get distracted and looking at other things and not focused on the Lord and not partaking of what He's done, but you're always sitting in front of a 12-course meal. And if you're hungry, don't talk about it and cry out to the host and say, feed me, eat. You've got it all placed on the inside of you. And it's up to you whether you... And I'm going to say something here that many of you will think I'm lying, but this is my testimony and I'm sticking with it, praise God. And I hadn't been depressed in 43 years. God touched my life. I've never gotten over it. I'm never going to get over it. And I'm more excited about the Lord today than I've ever been. And I have not gone up and down like a yo-yo. The Bible says that the path of the righteous shine brighter and brighter. And you do not have to go through highs and lows and peaks and valleys. And some of you that don't know me are saying, well, you just hadn't had my problems. I've had plenty of problems. Amen. I've had, I've had many opportunities. And I got, woke up at 4.15 in the morning and told that my son was dead. I could have been as discouraged as anybody else. I just decided, hey, bless God, I'm not going there. I am not going to get discouraged. I don't like being depressed. I don't like grieving. I decided I wouldn't do it. I just started praising God, thanking God how awesome He is. God didn't kill my son. And I just praised God. And after five hours, he just sat up in the morgue on a cooler and started talking. And he's, he's great today. And I'm convinced that that attitude, if I would have let grief and sorrow come in, and if I would have embraced it, my son would be dead today. I wouldn't have the granddaughter, the nine-year-old granddaughter that we have. I wouldn't have those things if I would have indulged my emotions. So this is a brand new way of looking at things. Uh, man, I'm trying to get through this quickly, and I hadn't even got to the main scripture yet. <laughs> but let me give you one last example. I was in uh, uh, Knoxville one time ministering, and I was talking about the love of God, and a woman came up. I started on Wednesday and on, went through Sunday, and Sunday morning a woman came up to me, and she says, I've heard a lot of ministry on this, but I've never been touched like this. She says, man, I know that God loves me. She was crying and praising God. Says this, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. And she says, I know it'll wear off. I know in a month or so I'll lose it. But right now I am enjoying the presence of God. And when that woman said that, that just grieved me that people expect to lose it. It's like they just expect that there's an expiration date. You come to a conference and you're going to get touched and you're going to have a great time, but you know that in a week or so or in a month you'll need another one. And it's just like, you know, you're a bucket with holes in you and you just can't maintain it and you've come to accept that. Boy, that grieved me that that's the way that people were. And I, I went back after the morning service and spent all afternoon praying and saying, God, it has not been that way with me. And I know that it's not because I'm special. And I know it's not because I've done everything right. Um, I said, there's got to be a reason why people are up and down like a yo-yo and they don't have consistency in their life. And I said, God, what has happened in my life that has kept me from ever losing my joy? I hadn't been depressed in 43 years. And I said, what is the deal? And the Lord led me to these verses in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And... I'm going to try and say this real quickly in 30 minutes or less. But he had just talked about that it's the gospel that's the power of God. And that word gospel has become a religious cliche, but he's talking about the goodness of God, the grace of God. Daniel sang that song is either this morning or last night that there's nothing I can do to make you love me more. There's nothing I can do to make you love me less. What an awesome truth that most people don't know. That's what Paul was talking about. And of course, the religious person says, no, you've got to tell people about how they are sinners. So verses 18 through 20 says, you don't have to tell people that they're sinners. They know this. There's an intuitive knowledge on the inside of every person that they aren't God. There's only one God and you aren't Him. Every person knows this. 
And because of it, they know even his eternal power and Godhead. So he's showing that you don't have to preach condemnation to people to show them that they're sinners. They know it intuitively. But then the rest of the chapter begins to talk about progressive steps that a person takes away from this revelation that God places on the inside of every person. And they harden their heart. And eventually, the end of this chapter shows how you can become totally reprobate. Even though every person has been enlightened by God, you don't have to obey it. You can harden yourself and you can get to where you actually act like there's no God in this earth. But they're progressive steps. And in verse 21, it begins talking about what they did that caused their heart to become hardened. And it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. And it just continues through the rest of the chapter talking about this. But I want to focus on these four things, and I usually spend... Uh, usually about two to three hours on one thing, so this is going to be real quick. But when I saw this, immediately the, the next three things, I immediately identified with that and saw that this was something that God had done in my life that had kept me from uh, losing my joy and my excitement over what He had done in my life. But the first one, when it says they didn't glorify Him as God, I honestly... I had trouble relating to that. So I looked it up in the Strong's, and I looked it up in all these different places. And every time that the word glorified was uh, defined, it used the word glory to define it. And I thought, this isn't helpful. (laughs) They're they're saying it means to glory in the Lord and do all this. And I thought, it just wasn't getting me. So I finally went to a dictionary and looked it up. And the word glorify means uh, one of the definitions of it is to render or esteem glorious. And again, it used the same word to define the word. But when I looked at that render and esteem, I looked those up, and then God began to start speaking to me. And here's a condensed version of what I got out of this, is that the word esteem means to value or prize, to place value on. And when I saw this, here's what the Lord began to speak to me, that the Lord touches our life. He gives you joy. Like... Again, I say, if you've been in this conference last night and this morning and have heard the praise and the worship, and if you haven't been blessed and excited about it, uh, your wood's wet. Something's wrong with you. That's not to condemn you, just saying that, man, that, it's been awesome. And many of you have been touched and you enjoy it, but then you go out and it doesn't seem like it lasts. What happens? It's because we esteem and value other things that diminish what God has done in our life. And the Lord showed me it's like a seesaw, or people call them teeter-totters or different things. But you can't have both ends up in the air at the same time. If you are going to have God, if you are going to go out of here saying, man, God loves me. When Jesus was on the cross for the joy that was set before Him, He saw us this morning and it was worth it. It was worth dying because... We were going to be saying thank you and we love you. And isn't that awesome? If you get that revelation and if that blesses you and touches you, then you are placing value on God. But then you walk out of here and you go to a store and somebody's having a bad day and they just let you have it. You sorry thing, you parked in that spot that I wanted. All of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, this person, I wish they would love me. And you start placing value on them. And the moment you start raising these value on other things, your value that you've placed on what God has done decreases. And all of a sudden, you begin to lose the revelation, things like this. But there's a process. You have to go through this process for you to lose the joy and the blessing and the excitement of what God has done in your life. You know, when the Lord touched my life, March the 23rd, 1968, man, I just got on fire for God. I was caught up in the presence of God for four and a half months. I was gone someplace. And the very next day, I went to my Baptist church and I didn't know what had happened to me. I didn't know how to tell it, but I had to tell somebody. So I got in front of my Baptist church and I began to tell them, well, God changed my life. I'm filled with the Spirit. You know what? If I'd have told them that I committed adultery, but that I'd repented. They would have said, well, we forgive you. But to say that you're filled with the Spirit, I had the pastor come to me and say, who do you think you are? Paul was filled with the Spirit. Are you in the category of Paul? I didn't know. I was 18 years old. I said, I don't know. I just, 
That's what I felt like. I said, I don't know what happened to me. And so the pastor got on my case and went to condemning me and criticizing me. Within a month, they were going to vote me out of the church that I grew up in. They were going to have a vote and kick me out because of all the things that I was doing. I was going around saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And you didn't do that in the Baptist church. If you raised your hand, they'd tell you it's the third door on the left. Amen. <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. You didn't do things like that in the Baptist church. And Man, I just started getting criticism everywhere. And then the Lord, it's a long story, but the Lord told me to quit school. And I was in my first year of college. I had a student deferment. As long as I was in school, I was getting $350 a month from my dad's Social Security. He died when I was 12 years old. As long as I stayed in school, I was getting paid. I was getting an education. I had a student deferment from the draft and all of these things. But God told me to quit school. So I just came home and announced, I'm going to quit school. And man, my mother exploded. And she's sick. Two Baptist pastors on me that spent about four weeks trying to convince me I was of the devil and everything I'd experienced was of the devil because look at what's happening. And I was 18 years old. I wasn't mature in the Lord, but you know what? God had touched my life. I was so excited. I was so in love with the Lord that I just didn't give a rip what anybody said. And see, here I was. I was placing value on God. And other people were saying, that's not God. And you need to value my opinion. And you, what about your mother? Well, I, I loved my mother. I wasn't against my mother. But you know what? Compared to God, she was down here. Amen. And I just kept placing value on God. And when I quit uh, school, they sent me for a uh, physical. And I passed. And so then a recruiter came to my house. And here I was, 18 years old. This recruiter comes in, opens up his briefcase, spreads out all of his papers, sits down at my kitchen table and starts showing me all the advantages to enlisting over being drafted. And I just said, I could save both of us a lot of time. He said, okay. And I said, the reason you're here and then I've been sent for a pre-induction physical is because I quit school. And he said, that's right. I said, I lost my student deferment. But I said, you don't understand. God told me to quit school. And so God's in control. If God wants me drafted, I'll be drafted. And if he doesn't, I won't. And when I said that, this recruiter broke out laughing. And he said, he says, boy, I can guarantee you, you're going to Vietnam. And when he said that, you know what? Here I was valuing God. And God was my source. And I was obeying God. And I didn't care what the results of it were. I was... I was in love with God. I, and here's somebody else who didn't value God the way I did. In fact, laughed at my value I placed on God and said, boy, you are going to Vietnam. And I was only 18 years old. I look back at this and I'm amazed at what I did. But I stood up, put my finger right in that guy's chest like this. And I said, buddy, if God wants me drafted, I'll be drafted. If he doesn't, then you or the United States government or every demon in hell can't draft me. And I, I just kept valuing what God did. And this guy, he was 30 or 40 years old. He was the representative of the government. I was a nobody, but he challenged my value I placed on what God did and what God said. And because of it, I rejected his value. And you know what? He just folded up his papers, put them back in his briefcase, never said a word, just walked out. And the next morning, I had my draft notice in the mail. <laughs> I wish now that I would have gone and looked, because I bet you it didn't have a stamp on it. I think that guy went down and processed it and came back and stuck it in my mailbox. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I meant it. And you know, because I just kept glorifying God. And even when I got drafted because of following what God told me to do. And I was in situations I could have been easily killed twice in one day. I was in a situation... Anyway, I won't go into all that. I got other things to say. But I was in some bad situations. And I was just in a bubble. I was in a bubble. God, this is what you've led me to do. This is what you're doing in my life. And I've never doubted it. I've never quit glorifying God. There is very... There's probably been a day in 43 years that I haven't thanked God for touching my life, but I can't remember a day. I have thanked God every day of my life and just placed value on what God has done, and because of it, I have not been up and down. 
I've had bad things come at me, but I am so thankful for what God has done. I have kept value in Him when other people have criticized it, when I didn't see any results of His blessing in my life. And other people said, you've missed it. Go get a job. Quit the ministry. Give up. Do whatever. I just kept putting value on what God said. And because of it, I have never lost my joy and excitement. What God did March the 23rd, 1968 in my life is more real to me today than it has ever been. And the reason I say all of this is to say that, you know, when we get into praise and worship, we get touched by the Lord, but then we just kind of let it evaporate and go, and we want, oh, I wish we could have another seminar. I wish we could go back. I wonder why I've lost this. We get desperate. No, God, would you please move in my life? God doesn't have an expiration date. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. Whatever God has ever done in your life, He's still just as excited about you. He still loves you just as much. It's you that took your attention off of God. You let the criticism of other people divert your attention away. You, you became codependent on you had to have their approval before you could feel good. You want everybody to like you. I can guarantee you, if you're going to go God's way, you are not going to be the most popular person. If you start following God, you are going to have problems. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you're both headed the same direction. You turn around and start following God, and you're going to have opposition. An old dead fish can float downstream, but it takes some effort to swim upstream. You are going to have problems. And if you have to have everybody else's approval, you're never going to make it. There's a friend of mine. I say friend. He is a friend, but at the same time, he's very critical of me. And there was another guy. We were walking up Pikes Peak one time. And this pastor uh, has been important in both of our lives, but he criticizes us. And he says lots of mean things about us and different things. And anyway, I'd heard all of this and we'd talked about it and... Anyway, we were hiking up Pikes Peak, and he says, have you heard the latest thing that this pastor said about you? And I said, no. And so he started telling me, and I just stopped him, and I said, look, I just don't want to hear it. I said, I know he doesn't like me. I know he likes me it to my face, but behind my back he says that. I said, I know that that happens. I said, I just don't need to hear what he's got to hear, what, what he's got to say. And so he stopped, and then after a few minutes he started trying to do it again. I said, look, I don't want to hear it. And after about 10 minutes, he says, why doesn't it bother you what he says about you? He says the same things about you that he says about me. And he says, it bothers me. Why doesn't it bother you? And I said, because I don't place the value on his opinion that you do. It's not like I don't appreciate other people, but compared to God, you're nobody. I don't like people to dislike me. But you know what? If you come up this morning and tell me about all the things you dislike, It's not going to keep me up at night because God loves me. And I'm going to keep thinking about that and putting value on that. And as long as I do, everybody else's opinion has to be way down here. And if you would live your life that way, if you would take what God says to you and what He said about you, and if you would keep focused on that, you would never lose the joy of it. You would be able to live a life. You don't have to go through mountaintops and valleys despite all the religious teaching on that. Look at this in Romans chapter 13. This is the exact same word that was translated glorify in Romans 121. Did I say Romans 13? It's Romans 11:13. Romans 11:13 Paul said, "For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office." Did you know that the exact same word that was translated glorify in Romans 1.21 is translated magnify in Romans uh, Romans 11.13? So here's another way of saying it. You have to magnify what God has done and you have to diminish everything else. Not only what the devil has done, but anything else in comparison cannot occupy your thinking. Whatever you focus your attention upon gets bigger. Your mind is like a magnifying glass. It's like a a set of binoculars. Whatever you focus your attention on, if you focus your attention on people and what they've said about you or your bank account or what the doctor has said or, you know, just any of the negative things that come up, whatever you focus your attention on, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You magnify it by the way you think. 
But your mind can also operate in the opposite. If you neglect to think about something, it's like turning the binoculars around and looking through the big end and out the little end. You could shrink Pike's Peak down to where it's just nothing. It's no big deal. Your mind, whatever you focus on becomes bigger. Whatever you neglect, it becomes smaller. And the sad fact is most of us are way too occupied with anything and everything else except God and what He said about us. And because we don't magnify the Lord, your mind is going to be focused on something. And if it's not focused on God, then you'll go to magnifying the problems of the world. You'll go to magnifying what this person said about you. You'll go to magnifying your fears. And every time that this begins to rise over here, then this begins to decrease. And you start losing the benefit of what God has done in your life. But it's totally up to you. You're the one that controls it. And if all this is true, which it is, then you know what? You can totally solve this situation. All you got to do is go back and start glorifying, magnifying God again, putting the right value on Him. Like if God's ever touched your life, hopefully every person in here has been born again. You've had an experience where you received the baptism. Many of you have been called into the ministry. God has done things. You've had special times with the Lord. All you got to do is go back and just start remembering. And start thanking God. Saying, Father, thank you that you've touched my life. Thank you. And you know what? Every time you do that and you go to magnifying God, everything else begins to start shrinking in comparison. And once again, when you get God up here at the top and you go to magnifying all of the good things that he's done, you'll find out that love, joy, and peace, and your praise, and all of these things are functioning in your life. It's just absolutely 100% dependent upon how you approach your problems. And I find Christians have advocated their authority and they just are out here watching as the stomach turns and watching murder and adultery and killing and, and all of this junk that depresses you. And then when you start feeling depressed and like, oh God, do you still care about me? Instead of saying, you know what, I've taken my mind off of the Lord. I haven't been glorifying God the way that I should. Instead, we just say, oh God, where are you? Where have you gone? Would you please touch me? And we, it's like it's your fault. God, I'm waiting on you. God's saying, I'm waiting on you. He didn't move. If God seems far away, guess who moved? And so anytime I begin to start feeling discouragement or anything, I just go back and all I do is start rehearsing my victories, start talking about God. Look how good you've been to me. Look at all the things that you've done. I start thinking about this. Praise wells up in my heart. And I am as happy as I want to be. I'm as blessed as I want to be. I'm as anointed as I want to be. And again, most Christians are thinking, oh no, this is just God. God touches some people. You've got to come and get a double portion of the Spirit. This is double portion night. They'll refer to Elijah and Elisha. But they were Old Testament saints that didn't have the fullness of God. You can't get more than the fullness of God. You can't get more than 100%. And we all have 100%. And you've already got love, joy, and peace. And you don't need God to do anything. God needs you to believe His Word that you already have love, joy, and peace and start magnifying Him. And again, this is praise and worship. This is what praise and worship is meant to do. It's to magnify the Lord. Boy, look at this over in Psalms chapter 69. This is Jesus speaking. This is a prophetic psalm. And if I had time, I could show that to you. There's quotations about where he says, they gave me gall to drink and all of these things. So this Psalm 69 is Jesus speaking. And here's what he said in Psalms chapter 69 and verse 30. I will praise the name of God with the song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Remember to glorify means to magnify. You know how you magnify God? With thanksgiving. The word magnify means you make God bigger. You can't technically change who God is. God is who He is regardless of how you're thinking or what you're doing. But in your concept, in your mind, in your emotions, in your life, you're the one that controls how big God is. You're the one that controls whether God is bigger than cancer or whether cancer is bigger than God. You're the one that controls whether this recession is so bad that, you know, I can't trust the promises that God's going to supply my needs. You're the one that places value on everything. Nothing comes with a value assessed. There isn't just an intrinsic value on anything that happens. You place a value on everything. 
You listen to the news and you place value on, I value this person's opinion. Personally, I don't value the news very much. They are in systematically, it's propaganda. They're lies, they're deception. They aren't reporting the news, they're making the news. I don't value it. I don't watch it. I don't listen to it. But there's a lot of people that just go by this stuff. And you know what? If that's, the, if that's what you place value on, well, then they're going to say things that contradict what God says. It's flu season. If you believe that, well, then you begin to start decreasing what the Word of God has to say about no plague will come nigh your dwelling. He'll give His angels charge over you. But a lot of people don't magnify what God says. They magnify what other people said. And because of it, it makes you susceptible to all of these kind of things. But you can just sit there and you can always magnify the Lord and you can do it. And one of the ways you do it, you magnify God with thanksgiving. If you just begin to start thanking Him constantly, which again is like I was saying last night, this is what praise and worship is all about. It's just thanking Him. It blesses God. And when you begin to magnify God with song, with thanksgiving, God gets bigger. All of a sudden, man, it's like Don was talking about, you know, through the storm and through the night and all these things. And, man, we're talking about that God doesn't slumber or sleep. He's bigger than whatever your problem is. You go to focusing on that, and you know what? It shrinks your problems. It doesn't mean that your problems don't exist. I'm not saying that we deny that problems exist, but I'm just denying that problems are anywhere near uh, you know, as big or as important as what God is. And I just keep magnifying God. So these are things you have to do. And I believe it's a progression. The first thing that will happen, if you start losing your joy, your peace, your victory, your enthusiasm, your faith, your vision, anything you want to talk about that God gives, if it starts being diminished in your life, it's not because God is turning off the spigot and you have to go back and get under the spout and get another dose of the Holy Ghost and get God to move in your life and go to begging and praying and asking God to do something. No, if you start seeing anything that God has done in your life start being diminished, it's because you haven't been glorifying Him. You have taken the opinion of somebody else. You've been listening to the world. You have been focused on something. That has been magnified. And the moment you start magnifying anything except God, then God starts shrinking and what He's done in your life starts being diminished. And you have to be thankful is the second step. And they really go together. Glorifying God. You can't truly glorify God without being thankful. Being thankful magnifies God. The next step is it says their imagination becomes vain. Man, I got an awesome teaching on imagination that it's impossible to give in 10 minutes. It's impossible. So you need to get that teaching. But your imagination follows these things. If you are glorifying God, if you are magnifying God with thanksgiving, if you do that, your imagination automatically becomes positive. If you don't do that, if you are griping and complaining, if you are a murmurer, your imagination automatically becomes negative. You will see the wrong side of everything. It's just automatic. These are progressive things. And then the fourth thing is their foolish heart becomes darkened. You become hard-hearted. And I have a whole great teaching on hardness of heart that is really good. I'd encourage you to get that. Oh, that's a powerful teaching. But they're just, it's like dominoes. If you quit glorifying God, putting the right value on Him, then it's you, you are going to quit being thankful. So you can look at it this way. How thankful are you? How much time do you spend every day just saying, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you don't do that, then you've already quit glorifying God and magnifying God. And your imagination, you're going to see the wrong side of everything. You're going to see negative instead of positive. And your heart will become hardened. And God will still be moving. We'll have a great service like we're having and praise and worship. And you'll just be sitting there thinking, I don't feel a thing. Not because God's not moving, but because your heart's hardened. And you're the one that controls the hardness of your heart. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3, let not your heart be hardened. You're the one that controls that. But most people don't associate these things. We allow our minds just to do whatever. We watch things on television that nobody should ever be watching. You let the sewage of the world flow through your mind. 
And then when he causes depression and discouragement, instead of accepting responsibility and say, God, I haven't been focused on you and I haven't been magnifying you. I hadn't been thankful. I've been out here listening to the same stuff that the world listens to. It's insanity to think you're going to do the same thing that the world does and get different results. You think the same thing. You watch the same shows. You have the same favorite shows, the same favorite movies that the unbelievers have, and you're going to get the same results that they get. But you put your mind on the Lord. It, what we should do is say, Father, I'm sorry. I haven't been focused on you. And you just go back and start glorifying the Lord. Father, thank you that you're a good God. There's nothing I can do that will make you love me more. There's nothing I can do that will make you love me less. You aren't upset with me because I did this. You're still in the same place I left you. And I'm just going to go back and start glorifying you. And you go to worship in Him. And man, He'll go to blessing you. And you'll have joy and your imagination. All of a sudden, you'll see a way through. God will make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. The truth is the way was there all the time. But you were so carnal, you missed it. And when you get spiritual and you start glorifying the Lord, all of a sudden you see things that you couldn't see. Your imagination will show you a way to get through this. You'll have creative ideas come to you. Your heart will soften up to God. Miracles will happen. But the point I'm trying to get across is it's 100% up to you. God does not control your joy. He doesn't control your peace. He doesn't control your anointing. The Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. And that word mind is the exact same word that's translated imagination 20-something times in the Old Testament. You have to keep your mind, your imagination stayed upon the Lord. And you do that... And you're in perfect peace. It's up to you. Isn't that awesome? Don, do you remember the song you sang last night about magnifying the Lord? Could we end with that? I think that would be very appropriate. I thought of this last night. And if you wouldn't mind getting up and leading that, I just think this would be great for you to take what I've talked about this morning. And if you have been discouraged, and if you feel like you've lost your joy and you're one of these that's been praying and asking God to touch you, would you just say, Father, I repent and I'm magnifying you. And go back, and as we talk about magnifying and glorifying the Lord, do that. And I guarantee you, you can go right back to that place that it seems like you've lost. Amen. Don? I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh Lord, forgive me, and I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me, but now, oh Lord, I see my wrong, heal my heart and show. 
Yes, God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we magnify you right now. Higher than anything. Higher than any negative word, any negative circumstance. Father, whatever we left behind, whatever words have been spoken against us, we condemn these words. We say that they will not prosper because our righteousness is from you, that you love us. We were the joy that you set before you on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And we believe that, Father, we are full of your joy, full of your peace today because we choose to magnify you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Daniel. Andrew, thank you so much. Praise God. Thank you, Don. What an awesome, awesome morning. Hallelujah. Already. I'm really excited about uh, having our workshop sessions coming up, and I wanted to just take a couple minutes for uh, just a quick few announcements before we break into our breakout sessions. Uh, this morning, we're going to be hearing from a dear friend of mine uh, in one of our sessions, David Grothy. David, would you stand? Uh, so glad you're here, David, and a part of our conference today. David is the family pastor at New Life Church, and he's going to be speaking this morning about the pastoral nature of a minister of music, something in that essence. And um, David, for many years, was uh, the minister of music for Billy Joe Doherty in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's when we, we became good friends. Um, used to meet together at a minister's luncheon and, and uh, pray together, and uh, I just value him as my brother, as my friend. And I'm so grateful that he's going to be here at this conference and has a wealth, a lifetime of experience to share. And I know it's going to be awesome. He's going to be teaching in the room directly behind this auditorium, which is our second year classroom, room 123, 122. And so for those of you who are interested in taking that particular course, that's where that's going to be. And then my dear friend, Linda Blakely, who was my voice instructor in the, uh, she used to be with ORU in Tulsa. Linda, would you stand? She's been, you've been hearing from her all week so far. Amen. And uh, Linda is just a real blessing. She's going to be teaching on uh, vocal instruction is vital. And it's going to be happening in room 128. You know, if you're a singer, there's, there's never a time when you should stop learning. You should continue learning and growing no matter how much you know there's always more to learn and experience. And if you keep that attitude, uh, it'll keep you fresh. It'll keep you on top. Amen? And it's just important to keep that uh, vocal uh, mechanism exercised. Praise God. And then, uh, dear Joe, I tell you what, I am so thrilled that Joseph Nanowski is with us. And uh, Joe and I go back to the mid-'80s. Uh, Joe actually uh, was my keyboard player at Grace and uh, has also produced some projects for me and uh, just become a dear friend. And I love this brother. He is now the musical director for all of Daystar Television. And so if you ever see a, a Daystar program, you see him on there all the time with the singers and the band. He's the guy who's writing. He's arranging. He's, he's the man. And so Joe is going to be teaching on contemporary keyboard technique for those of you who are keyboard people. And that's going to be happening right here in the auditorium since we already have the keys all set up. We thought that would be convenient as well. So those are our three 10 o'clock breakout sessions. And if, if, if that's not enough, we also have three more sessions at 11 o'clock. How, how awesome is that? And so uh, I don't know, is Tom Ewing here yet today? There he is. Uh, everybody welcome Tom. Hallelujah. Tom was so gracious to come and be a part of the conference this week. He just celebrated his anniversary with his wife yesterday and is here today to be a part of this conference. And so I'm so grateful. Uh, Tom is going to be teaching on leading and facilitating encounter worship. And that's going to be happening at 11 o'clock in the room, again, directly uh, across from the auditorium here. And that's going to be awesome. Uh, Angel Garrett, Angel, would you stand? You've been hearing from her all week. Praise the Lord. Amen. And Angel and I go back uh, a long, long time. Early 80s is when we first met. And I'm telling you, she is a blessing, knows how to flow in the anointing, and is going to teach on how to minister in the anointing of God. How many know that you all have the same anointing? You know, we go from conference to conference trying to get a greater anointing. And, you know, I can just save you a lot of time and energy. You already have it. 
Yeah, you say, where's that at? Well, we're going to teach on that. First John talks about it. Amen. You have that anointing that abides within as a believer. And so all you have to do is recognize what's in there, stir it up, and let it flow out of you. And praise God, when you begin to get a handle on this, I'm telling you what, it'll change your life forever. And so Angel's going to be a blessing ministering on that. Is Kent Henry here yet this morning? Uh, Angel will be, by the way, in room 128, which is just slightly down the hall here uh, to our right or to your left. Okay? Uh, I know Kent is flying in just in time to basically get to the 11 o'clock session, but you'll be hearing from him at 11, and then he'll also be sharing musically uh, on Friday, and you'll be hearing from him tomorrow as well in the morning. But he's going to teach on how to give and receive the life of God, and he'll be teaching that in here in the auditorium. And uh, I love Kent. I tell you what, you know, it'll be fun to hear him today, but whenever you talk to him, like when, I, when he calls me on the phone, here, here's Kent. Hey, hey Jude! Glory! <laughs> You'll hear him before you see him. That's exactly right. And, you know, he's always kind of been a hippie kind of worship guy, you know, and I think he's recorded like, I don't even know, 26 worship CDs over the course of his lifetime, many of them with integrity. And uh, tell you what, I just love Kent so much. Uh, he prayed for me about a year ago. Uh, I was on a construction site doing some work, and, and he called and prayed, and uh, he said, you know, I, I heard uh, some things about you, and he said, uh, what are you doing? And I said, well, currently I'm doing faux finishing. I'm in a multi-million dollar home doing faux finishing. And he goes, you're doing what? Why are you doing that? And I said, that's what I've been saying for so long. And he says, can I pray for you? And I said, absolutely. He begins to pray and he begins to prophesy. And he says, I'm commanding open doors in your life in the name of Jesus. He said, you're a father in worship. You've always been a father. And if there was ever a time we needed fathers in the worship movement, it's now. And he said, I speak open doors for you in the name of Jesus. And two weeks later, Andrew called me. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, God is faithful. And he's faithful through people. Amen? He's not only faithful to us, but he's faithful to us through people. And so praise God for the body of Christ. How many love the body of Christ? Amen. Gary, would you come up? I want to introduce you real quick to our school administrator. This is Gary Lukey. I love this guy. This is my boss. Hallelujah. Amen. And um, just greet everybody real quick, would you? Well, we want to say thank you for coming. And I know we have a lot of people watching online as well. But, uh, you know, this is our first worship conference. And uh, it's just been fun to get to know Daniel even more. And just to see that anointing on his life, um, it is really special. And uh, we are blessed to have all these guests here. And and, uh, the gifts that are here is just incredible. So we just appreciate you being here and uh, just thank you. And we want to have some time to talk about the school and uh, what the school offers here. Because to be honest with you, uh, part of the reason why we're doing this worship conference is to promote our third year school of worship. And uh, this is the first year that uh, we're going to be having a school of worship that people are going to come and sit under uh, Daniel and other instructors for two hours a day and just get fine teaching and learn different things. And uh, so we're just excited about it. So we hope you are getting excited about what you're hearing because this is just a glimpse of what's about to come. Amen. So we have a few announcements. Do you want to talk about this? Go ahead and tell them. Along with our first ever worship conference, we have produced a first ever worship CD. And it's called Responding. And I'll let Daniel explain that one maybe tonight on that one. But these, this CD is just awesome. We recorded it live during uh, two hours of our school sh- session back in April. And um, it sounds wonderful. And I almost think it sounds better than when we did it live. The way they, did, the way they record these things and, and produce it and put it together. But we are excited about this. This is being offered for $15, and you could find them at the Karis Bible College table. We have a table set up 
in uh, the break room over there. So we want to encourage you not just to look for the CD, but we have people back there to talk about the school. And uh, if you have any questions about that, that would be great. We are also recording every one of the sessions here from praise and worship to the teachings, the breakout sessions. They are available for you. And again, you could find them on the Karis Bible College table back there. And I believe we're offering some special discounts if you buy the whole series or the whole, the whole conference on that. We also want to remind you that we have Healing School going on this afternoon. Again, part of our Bible college at 1 o'clock this afternoon, we have healing school that you are all invited and encouraged. How many of you need to receive a healing? Raise your hand. Y'all need to be here. Amen. So that'll be good, and we believe you'll be healed. And I believe that's it. I believe that's it. But once again, we just want to say thank you for being here, and uh, we're just going to have a good time the rest of the day. And all day tomorrow as well. Amen. Amen. And uh, Kim Harrison, are you here? Oh, there you are. This is Kim Harrison. She is our, the Karis Bible College event planner coordinator that puts all of this together. So thank you, Kim. She has a few things for you, too. Aw, shucks. Good morning. It is a pleasure to serve you. We are so happy to have you. I want to tell you a few things about where you can eat around here if you want to, and how to do that. If you've already purchased a meal plan, then you have a little purple band. Just show that to the people in the break room around your wrist, or you can just carry it with you if you don't like that as a fashion statement. You can take that to the break room. That shows us that you've paid for the meal plan. We also have additional meal plans available. We have a table set up in the hallway, and we have some great meals planned. We have some wonderful um, caterers. They're bringing in things like smoked barbecue tomorrow night and, yeah, (laughs) beef tortellini tonight. All sorts of really good things are coming in. So if you'd like to be a part of that, it's also a chance to sit down with our special guests and a lot of our staff that will be eating in there as well. So it's a nice time just to have a good time, okay? So you can go into the hallway on the break or right before lunch and pay for that right there, and we'd love to see you for lunch, okay? (laughs) You might have a line at your table now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, We will make sure that you have something to drink, yes. Coffee specifically? Mr. Moen, we will have it for you. We do have coffee, and in the morning we'll have coffee and pastries available as well. Just... Those are, there's no charge for that. We just want to bless you in case you didn't have time to eat before you left the, the uh, hotel. And the meal plans are $70. That includes two lunches and two dinners. Okay? So come join us for lunch and dinner, all right? Thank you very much. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Ms. Kim. You are a blessing. Praise the Lord. Well, everybody, let's uh, take a break and uh, go ahead and go into your workshop areas. Uh, and we'll... Um, have a wonderful time in these workout ro- workshop rooms. If you need to use the restrooms, the, the ushers will help direct you. Uh, and have a great time. Amen. <laughs>